0: Okay, I'm going to go ahead and open up the meeting. Yes, sir. Welcome, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New, New Year. Year. And uh, roll call, please.
1: Trustee Avalada? Here. Trustee Banerjee? Here.
2: Trustee
1: Charlin? Here. Trustee Shequan? Here. Trustee DeRees. Here. Trustee
0: Peterson? Here. <laughs> Wonderful, thank you. Uh, first order of action is included minutes. So moved. I second. All those in favor of motion? Aye. 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 Here. Okay, and now on to information discussion items. Uh, finance report from our interim CFO. Happy New Year. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's there. It is. All
1: right. Okay, so I'm just going to briefly touch on um, October highlights and focus more on November since that's kind of year-to-date where we are. Um, and then we'll talk about the forecast. So October, um, on the volume side, you know, inpatient, oh, sorry. Um, inpatient activity continued to be strong. Um, Cute days were 3.1% over budget for the month. Um, Cute discharges continued to be below budget, and um, our a- length of stay continues to be above budget. Um, Post-acute days were uh, 0.3% above budget for the month. Um, Clinic visits were 2.5% above budget for the month, but this is a situation where we had um, 23 clinic days this year compared to 22 the prior year. So, you know, the way the budget is done based on seasonality, it's not surprising that we were um, over budget for the month. Um, emergency visits continued to be below budget. Um, and then the physician RVUs continue to be above budget and significantly above prior year. So from the financial point, of the highlights, um, again, as we've been seeing, the patient services revenue was below budget, um, consistent with what we have been expecting to be our shortfall. Um, the expenses though were uh, $1.6 million below budget um, compared to revenues being 1.1 um, below budget. So our net operating income was actually $439,000 above budget for the month. So without the capital cost transfer adjustment that was made in September, um, our year-to-date net operating income would have been about $500,000 below budget. Um, which, you know, we're starting to close that gap and, and looking forward to um, getting back to actually being on budget. Um, overall, our net income is over budget by $1.4 million for the month and $3.6 million year-to-date, and that's basically due to a reduction in the long-term portion of the um, pension expense and again that that could shift around once we get actuarial reports um, but this is basically what we know based on the last actuarial report so moving to November um, the activity for November on the innovation side continued to be very strong um, Cute days were 1.6 percent over budget year to date we're at 5.4 percent and 4.7 um, percent above the prior year Discharges uh, were below budget, again, for the month. um, We're just barely over budget on discharges year-to-date, and the length of stay continues to be um, above budget. Post-acute days were 2.1% above budget um, for both the month and year-to-date, and were 3.6% above the prior year. Clinic visits, though, for the month were 7.1% below budget. And November actually had the same number of clinic days this year as they did the prior year. And year-to-date clinic visits were 2.8% below budget um, and 2.2% above the prior year. So we're having a little bit of uh, trouble meeting what our budget was. Maybe Luis might mention some things that are going on um, in his operating report. Um, Emergency room visits continue to be below budget and below prior year. Um, And again, Physician RBUs were above budget and they're significantly um, above the prior year, which is what we want to see, um, doing a good job with charge capture. So um, for the financial report highlights, the net patient services revenue was 3.2 million dollars under budget. We're still looking at somewhere around 27 million dollars um, potential annual short you know shortfall. There, the supplemental revenue was slightly under budget. We are going to be doing our. Um, you know, mid-year kind of assessment of where we are and all the supplemental revenue. So we've just been booking um, our regular accruals. What happens is sometimes the uh, the operating, regular operating revenue um, for miscellaneous revenue and some of the grants may come in lower. But um, we, we plan, hopefully, to be at least at budget by the end of the year. Um, November expenses were under budget, more than enough to fully offset the revenue shortfall. So expenses were under budget by $3.8 million compared to revenues being under by 3.6. So their net operating income was $254,000 over budget for the month. And again, without the capital cost transfer adjustment, our net operating income would have been um, just uh, $0.3 million below budget. So again, we're closing that gap. And again, the uh, overall net income for the month was $1.4 million above budget and $4.9 million to date because of the long-term portion of the pension. Just to talk a little bit more about um, revenues, um, you can see that the year-to-date gross patient services revenues are consistent with the activity um, overall. It's seven percent above prior year, but not only is it—it's um, not just the activity increase. Um, and the charge increase that we put into place but it looks like we're just in general doing a better job for charge capture which is great. Um, the net patient services revenue is about 4.9% above the prior year which is good to see. Um, supplemental revenue again is showing that it's about 400000 under budget without the capital cost transfer or capital cost claiming um, but again we're going to be doing that major assessment. We we still have um, no updated, we don't have an approval yet for the GME program, however we do know that it's moving through the process. So they received all of, they passed all of the questions and received all the approvals at the CMS Region 9 local level and it's moved on to the Central Baltimore um, review. And I know that there's been some technical questions on it, but um, it... We're feeling pretty positive that this is going to move forward. The one thing is that it's significantly um, been reduced. The size of the program has significantly been reduced from what they originally asked for. Um, And we are not sure where we're going to end up for this fiscal year. This first year, the state, if it gets approved, is planning on paying the retro from um, January of 2017 forward, so we'll actually get two and a half years worth in this current year, which may be close to what we have budgeted is what we're hoping, um, but we we we'll like that we're gonna see a significant reduction if it's approved in what we're gonna have available for the next fiscal year.
3: Uh, I'm sorry can you explain what you're talking about you know, I have you up until that point what, what program were you the GME
1: program so this is the Medi-Cal GME program that we have in the budget even though it hasn't been approved okay. yet right. okay. Um, okay. and I think we have about 14 million dollars budgeted originally the, um, the program was the amount that would be coming to Alameda okay. was sized at about $10 million um, net. Um, and there's a lot of assumptions in there. One was the size of the program that was originally done. It's CMS has shrunk, has shrunk it down. Um, one question that's not known yet is whether or not they're going to allow us to have a blended FMAP. So I think the amounts that were... So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the federal matching, right? So we, we only get, we typically on these programs, we put up the non-federal share and then we get the federal match block. Um, and so uh, for if we get a blended, it takes into account, because this is about Medi-Cal managed care, mm-hmm. and it would take into account the fact that we have you know, so many at the the MCE level, which is like 95% reimbursement versus the 50% we were looking at a blended f-map of about 68 percent so depending on what they approve we may be that. Okay. at that or we may be at 50 percent so okay. so right. we're right. not sure exactly what the amount will be this meeting
4: is sort of like uh, coming back in
5: summer break. The <laughs> 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 yeah, reins have jumped out. We did, we did that with our executive leadership team meeting this morning. Yeah, okay. right.
6: Everybody we're has this one. How are they? Start right. with your name. What's your name? Fair enough all to it. Oh, no, that's all good. But just a little bit, and I want to interrupt Nancy's foot, but just to remind you all, so over the course of this year, in addition to GV, which is a substantial one, there are two other... New supplemental funding sources, well, quasi new, uh, but but other supplemental funding sources for which we've been reporting that you were accruing uh, uh, before uh, we've gotten approval for the programs, with the understanding that uh, the approvals are likely. And she's going to give you an update on uh, some of the other ones. But but the GME one, we're still it's still sort of in the middle uh, part of the process.
2: Okay, okay. okay. great. Right.
1: So the other two programs that. Um, We, you know, we booked for. We had approvals for 2018, but we didn't have approvals yet for 2019. Um, The EPP and the QIP, so that's the Enhanced Payment Program and the Quality Incentive Program. Um, We have received approvals for both of those. We don't know the amounts yet because. Of course not, that would be too easy. Yeah. Well, because it's, really, it's related to Medi-Cal managed care, they have to the dollars all have to fit within the, the capitation rates that are approved. So that hasn't happened yet, and we still don't know how much we're actually gonna get for 2018. So, but they have been approved. The um, EPP was approved, they're only doing one year at a time approvals, Um, but the QIP they actually approved for three years. So we know that program's gonna go on through 2021.
2: Question. Okay. So if the GME is much lef- uh, smaller than what we have um, anticipated or planned or proposed for, how does that affect, like, the residents do a lot of clinical services and things like that, right? So is, is that fewer number of GME projects uh, no, 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 no. that we can take, or just the money that's left? it's it's a funding a stream. So funding right.
1: So the, the way that the allocation and the calculations were based on the number of residents that we have um, and it, it, there's an allocation of the dollar amount available through, you know, for, against all the public hospitals. But this is new program because we for fee-for-service Medi-Cal, the costs of the residents are included in our reimbursement, okay. but that's not the case for Medi-Cal Managed Care. Okay. And so they're trying to create something that's similar to Medicare where we get additional reimbursement for those programs. Okay. Thank you. That's, that's good question. So then on the expense side um, in November, the FTEs for the month of November were actually 385 FTEs or 8.3% below budget in November. Total labor expenses, including benefits, were 4.2 million or 6.9% under budget. The year-to-date variance for FTEs was 176 um, or 3.9% um, and that's eight, 8 million or 27 Um, percent under budget um, for labor expense. And this is compared to the revised um, budget spread that was done. Um, And actually in November, um, overtime was actually under budget for the first time, um, which was good to see. Um, Our worked hours per adjusted patient day are below budget and below prior year, which is great. Um, The biggest variance on the month actually was in um, uh, medical equipment repairs and maintenance and actually we're, we're still looking into because there was a couple big invoices um, so we're looking into that because it's all from the same um, vendor <coughs> so um, so I just want to say you know, the man- management staff have actually been doing a, a lot of work on benchmarking um, and expense management and they're doing a great job mm-hmm. keeping us uh, at budget So on the um, balance sheet side, um, you know our net AR days have dropped. Um, we've had the gross ARs bumped up a little bit just because we've had some um, staffing issues getting things, you know, um, through the system and, and out the door. Um, days in accounts payable have continued to decrease, and we continue to be compliant with the. Uh, uh, terms of our line of credit agreement and we expect to be compliant at the end of the year.
4: What's our goal again on uh, days in AR?
1: <clears throat> um, our goals for for net days in AR, I think it's at 70. It doesn't say I think it's, I like
5: think it's 70. 70. Yeah.
1: So we're close pretty to pretty that. Close. But I just want to say, you know, our uh, Patient Financial Services Department is doing a great job on cash collections. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really want to acknowledge them here. Um, they are consistently higher than prior year, and it's more than the increase in net revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can see that, you know, cash collections, I mean, they're at $45 million higher than the prior year, and it's about, um, I I forget what the percentage was, but it was significantly higher than what the net revenue was increased. And we're looking at one of the things that we're tracking um, on our metrics is on the SORIAN system, they they create these great cash lags. The system creates great cash lags. And the core uh, SORIAN is the vast majority of our um, accounts receivable dollars. And they've actually... um, we're, we're, we try and trace and look at you know net revenue through October. We expect in two months that we've collected that, and so we actually have to collect more because we have to get you know the prior year accounts receivables that's sitting out there, in that. and they've actually um, in, through December they collected over, um, it's like 4.9% more than the prior year, so 104% they uh, collected and pretty much um, the prior year AR they've, they've collected all but like $6 million which is exactly what they collect what we collected on prior year stuff in the last six months of the year. So we're really right on track. We've been watching, you know, we're booking at the net revenue based on actual calculations, and then we're doing the AR evaluation, and we're coming out really close. So we feeling really good about that.
4: It looks like the cost charge mm-hmm. capture is way up, too, on
2: the RV. On the physician the side, yes, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, so um, you, you have the um, in your packet the um, forecast both for through the end of this year and um, for the uh, 12-month rolling. Mm-hmm. So the, here's the assumptions for the, the current year, end of fiscal year assumptions. Um, basically, we start with the budget, what we budgeted for those uh, the next months coming up for the end of the year. Um, we've made adjustments for increased revenues um, based on what we've been seeing and also for the uh, the EDD virtual bed implementation that we did. Um, we've adjusted the net patient services revenue um, percentages based on what we know. Um, we've put in salary savings um, which includes for norm, uh, normal vacancies uh, reduced overtime, benchmarking um, reductions that we plan, and, and then not filling some overhead positions based on uh, what management you know, looking at to um, try and mitigate our shortfalls. Um, we have the benefits are adjusted for any salary changes, and we're also looking at lower workers' comp expense. We've, we've uh, the budget oversight uh, committee has been meeting with staff to look at the what they have budgeted to see where they can make reductions or not not spend things that they have in their budget so we've been able to um, identify an additional you know 3.2 million dollars in purchase services um, additional amount in supplies and also in um, admin in general so with that i know this is really hard to see um, but uh, with those expense control efforts You know i'm i tend to be a little bit more conservative in my um fte reductions Mm -hmm. than you know what we're actually currently seeing now because i assume that positions will be filled as we go along Um, but with this we're actually coming out to be within 1.1 million dollars of the budget um, with an even a margin of 4.4 versus Mm 4.5 so we we fully intend to be able to clo- <laughs> you know, close that gap, but um, this is what it looks like with the projections that we have right now. Yeah, it's very
0: totally encouraging to me. I look at this wonderful. I, I did have a question about uh, uh, April. And, no, it's March. Actually, February, March, April have kind of higher EBITDA amounts. What what's the kick up there? Is it more days in that month or? Um, it, it not, February. not February.
1: Yeah, not
0: February.
1: Not February. But it's based on how the budget spread. They probably, I mean, we have obviously less, I mean, more overtime um, and stuff through the holiday I periods. I see that. Okay. Um, you know, so.
0: That's sort of a pattern help, if I remember, yeah. right? That period is Yeah. You. Okay. I just couldn't find that revenue and expenses oh. so sort of just naturally occurs throughout the budget it's
1: how the budget is is spread the, spread the volumes and you know the payer mix and just everything that that happens during that period of time Got
4: so it. okay how's the census been so high yes <laughs> the forecast to remain high well,
6: usually this time last year is when, I do if you recall, last year we had a really protracted police uh, season. Blue season. Uh, yeah. uh, it's not clear that that's going to happen this year, but you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. But, but, I don't know, at least you can speak to this. Uh, we've had a pretty steady couple of months here. where. Uh, any number of normal activity. Well, it's
7: a combination of things where we've seen, yeah, we're we're seeing higher volumes, but equally, excuse me, we're seeing uh, patients stay longer. So Mm -hmm. we're seeing sicker patients. Our length of stay has gone up, and not only in in the acute, but also in the behavioral. Uh, Mm -hmm. So again, that when your length of stay goes up, you know, and your census stays consistent, I mean, it makes it very challenging. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. how the facilities are impacted. Do so you think it's an earlier flu season
4: again that we got impacted earlier? I don't, don't, earlier, or I
7: don't think, think
6: so, actually. We didn't, it wasn't, you know, no, it, it, when it last year it wasn't, obviously it was nationwide, yeah,
7: yeah,
6: so yeah. we, we yeah. had that. Uh, I, uh, it's no, just not so. normal I don't activity. So. You know, I mean, we're seeing, combination we're, of things. we've I'm seen seeing
7: some, in the some influenza cases out. here recently. I mean, we, we, we track that, yeah. but that's not the driver. I mean, right. You right. Know, a lot of the things are, I mean, again, some of it has to do with, uh, you know, it's cold, it's rainy, it's uh stuff. Yeah.
3: It seems to me I'm sorry, but I, I was looking at our our, our, our clinic visits being down. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like we're shrinking. Uh, and I I kind of looking at like our 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 staffing levels are down, thankfully, and our expenses are down. It's like we're adjusting properly, but it seems like I know you're saying our census is full, but it seemed like we're for their net patient services,
5: it seems like the whole thing is
6: shrinking a little bit. Uh, so. so, so the EV's is the only place where, uh, prior, compared to prior year, we that comparative volume has been down. Uh, the the
1: clinics, the Special clinics
6: compared to prior, it's to budget, it's lower to budget. Okay, to prior year, it's slightly higher. It's not uh, okay. tremendously high. Uh, but it's slightly higher, and that was after a month where it was significantly lower than what we uh, uh, had and, budgeted. And the work so
4: our views are up, which means either better charge capture or the appointments are going longer. Right?
6: It's, it's uh, I think it's a combination of that, and then this shift towards our, um, our primary care capitation that's impacting at least the primary care side, but not significant. It's it's just it's a, it's impacting. Um, different clinic sites uh, differently. We have some sites like Hayward that are well above. Yeah, uh, yeah but Hayward was, but
3: Fairmont, I mean we'll get to that report, but Fairmont's Fairmont was down. Fairmont. down. Uh, Eastmont seems to be consistently down. Um, yeah, I just, yeah. I was gonna ask
0: about
6: the right? Yeah, but we're, well, we're, the, we're jumping ahead. <coughs> yeah, yeah right. at least we'll Sorry. go through some of it in his report. But but I think on, on balance though, I don't, I, I don't have the impression that we are shrinking, no, okay. no. Uh, in fact, on the acute side, it feels <laughs> like anything <laughs> but, and post-acute is pretty, consistently uh, uh, full, as well as um, behavioral.
8: I also had a question about to census. Time. To what extent, or do we know to what extent or what's attributed to um, difficulties with disposition and placement like for homeless yeah, for uh, patients um, and then I guess okay. part two is that how are we looking at this new legislation around discharge planning for homelessness uh, impacting census just on this. Topic.
6: So quite, uh, well, I don't know if homelessness, uh, uh, how much in particular that is dumping out. In fact, one of the things, uh, well, depending on what we end up doing with the cheat agenda, um, the county, you know, with some of their dollars, has been partnering very uh, closely with us to actually do or get housing placement uh, for uh, discharges for our homeless population, particularly focused on care. Running directly with us. I think that's it, the coordinated. Well, it's actually it's kind of a combination of that and uh, the whole person care uh, uh, effort, um, but that is something that we're working on for the homeless population. Throughput is a big challenge, and we have a lot of initiatives underway to address that. Uh, uh, Luis and uh, Gassan, and the case manage- care management star, and uh, medical staff, or the hospitalists in particular, are really working through efforts to address that. But, but throughput placement in general, uh, has been a challenge for us as well as just general throughput and facilities just because we're so impacted.
8: Is that a metric we track separately, like the percentage of the mm-hmm. days that were not medically necessary and that
6: were due to placement? Issues? Or, yeah, medically necessary, denied, admin days,
8: yeah. yeah. Okay, so, admin days. Okay. Yeah.
2: Especially, I mean, the throughput and placement within our system, if there's a flu outbreak in January, February, that tends to happen then, and we see the ED visits going up then that surge, that that's where the issues will be, not besides the discharge, but placement within inpatient as well, right? That's a, I
6: yeah, uh, I think now though, I, I, I'm out of my element, I still haven't yes, listened so to this, but across the board on the acute side, we're, we're pretty, uh, there's not, I, I, don't, I don't know, but my sense is there's no site right now that is, has a lot of uh, available capacity. We're, okay. we're quite full. And so anyway, he'll, he'll speak more to this. In specific to one of those
0: points, so we do actually have a specific work group on SB 1152, and so oh yeah, sorry, it's meeting weekly, that, yeah. um, and it's sort of across the group. You know, some folks from my team, care management, risk, yes, to basically address how we're going to implement
6: all those requirements.
5: Yeah.
6: For us, we have a different starting point. So this is uh, just for the other trustees. Uh, new state legislation around um, requirements for key facilities for discharges for. a uh, homeless patients, uh, a lot of it driven by a, a lot of bad incidents in other parts of the city uh, where patients are, yeah, there's health uh, and uh um, and, um, we don't tend to have that that uh, type of an issue, but so a lot of the, the sort of principles uh, were already there, but there are some eyes to die and piece across and work out to make sure that we're on it to a letter. <coughs>
3: So you don't think it's going to change our operations that much, just about the fourth?
2: Uh, I, don't,
6: I don't know. Um, I think it's a little more just the tracking and reporting to make sure that we're, we're doing that. Right. But I don't think it's a sort of philosophical operational. Capacity. Oh, I do not mean philosophical. I wasn't sure if the, the requirements were... I think impact our ability no more than it already is. I think it really is just a matter of making okay. sure that we're we're documenting and, and, and tracking because it's it's a whole plan that you have to put together mm-hmm. and you want to make sure you have all those components if you're audited or right. uh, you yeah. have one situation where you know that that's
4: that is supposed to have Just adding more steps to processes yeah. already in place. Exactly. The yeah. other hospitals well, and county here uh, There may be a lot of the calls I'm getting. Yeah, a lot There's of other houses. Mm-hmm. They're nervous. Yeah, good. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> right
6: Sorry. As the person in the city of Oakland who has yeah. Is, see, yeah? No, look, look right. at these charts. It looks like we're
3: shrinking. Uh,
6: yeah. Oh, on the oh well, that is true. I'm sorry. I'm mm-hmm. starting, I was start I I just focused on the We're volume side. Volume. Yeah, on the FTE side. Yeah, we have contained our costs. We and on, it, and yeah. on the expense side.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's
6: yeah. all
3: gone. And the revenue. I mean, frankly, it's all kind of gone down. And hey, I love where we are compared to last January.
6: Revenue's not right. down. Uh, revenue's down from budget again. It's not, not down from, from prior. budget. Yeah. From, yeah, up yeah. from, from yeah. budget. Yeah. But expenses down from budget, and I think no, it's slightly up from prior year, Yeah, it's up from prior It's still up. But not as much as we projected it to be yet. Okay,
1: Okay, so for the 12-month rolling um, projection, um, so basically what we do is we start, I start with um, the budget for the rest of the current year, or actually what's projected for the rest of the current year, and then, make adjustments based on actuals from this year for the, the months that we've finished, and then make changes to those based on things that we will assume are going to happen um, in next fiscal year. So mm-hmm. for July through October of 18, which are the starting point for July um, through October of 19, um, basically from there, what we I'm increasing our gross patient services revenue in our contractuals by 2%. Um, we have some significant reductions um, that are happening just based on the, um, the Medi-Cal waiver. Um, Prime goes down. The, uh, as those assumptions, GPP goes <coughs> down because of dish cuts are supposed to go into play. Um, what I don't have in here is The reduction to the GME program, um, based on what we've been learning and what's going to happen, that's not in here. It will come in the next iteration. Um, I assumed that the uh, capitation and the HPAC would go up 1%. Um, I assumed that salaries, registry benefits, contract positions, pharmaceuticals would all go up 3% compared to current year. That supplies would increase 1%. Um, basically outside medical services depreciation are at budget amounts. Um, It does not assume that there's any budgetary cuts or changes in services. Um, And so basically it shows you that um, with these, which is really hard to see, but um, essentially this 12-month rolling amount compared to the budget for the current fiscal year would have a reduction of $17 million, um, almost $18 million in net income.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: This, that is actually an understatement of what the change would be because we'd have the, the cuts in the GME. This also doesn't take into account that, you know, with the go-live of EPIC in at the end of September, October, because we didn't have time to, to have the conversation over the holidays, but Mark and I were just talking about this um, earlier. We need to think about what do we have to expect the impact on revenues yeah. due to productivity, productivity going to be increases. down over the next so many months, right. and then the increase in expense because we're going to have additional staffing right. costs associated with that. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be that transition where we're going to have the legacy systems are still going to we're going to still be paying for. We're going to have to transition. Mm-hmm. So we've got to kind of work that out we have to work it out for the budget for 2020 but we have to also work it out for the projection so there's some things missing from here but obviously without some significant changes it doesn't look very good
0: (laughs) so some of those uh, Sapphire related costs are in contingency if I remember
6: what's So the budget. We right now we're in the project phase, so uh, a good deal of the cost is capitalized. Once we go live, and I think we have a runway of a few months after that. Uh, the costs become operational. And uh, the the budget that you approve, the 10-year total cost of ownership, is a budget for the project. It was not a budget that said, we had these dollars set aside. So, and including the contingency. None of, none of the dollars were dollars that were you know, in some uh, um, reserve that we had, that we're deploying. They were the conceptual framework of the dollars that we would then now incorporate into uh, both our capital and our operating in the subsequent years to reflect, to be consistent with the approved uh, budget (coughs) So it's not
2: something you can use to mitigate these things because it's not No, we're going to to
6: experience it, and now we have to. So a big portion of uh if you recall when we did the budget for for the plan and we talked about kind of the funding sources we talked about a couple main sources so one was of course the 20 million dollars from kaiser which has been out. And in fact, we got uh, another 2.5 million which is sort of the third payment so we're about of that 20 million we've gotten 17 and a half of it already um uh, and so i think there's one other two and a half million payment if i got that right i think ten five and people um, so that was one source. The other source was our own operating return. so having positive EBITDA so that we can reinvest back into the, uh, the project. Uh, um, another source was the uh, strategic reserves. So, beginning this year, uh, before the end of this fiscal year, we put seven million in, turn right back around, and take that seven million out to basically uh, fund uh, the project. So, that'll be dollars that we haven't put into this. Uh, um, um, equation yet either and then another source was philanthropy from the foundation which is still work that's uh, uh, in its developmental stages and launching uh, hopefully relatively well soon okay that's it
1: yes
6: i'm sorry and there was one last source uh it's mm-hmm. which is, which is our, um, our capacity on our net negative balance So, as you know, we are significantly below what we forecasted was, as we got closer to full live, given the sort of cash flow cycle, that uh, that would become a, um, a, a source of working capital that we would have to leverage. Uh, but then began to, as we got the efficiencies, the economies of scale, and um, uh, right-sized our, our, our expense uh, uh, structure for the organization, began to turn that right back around so that, and you may recall me using the, we're going to come asymptotically close like, to our balance, and then we start to taper back down. FY20 is the, the year in which that, that was projected to happen. Right. It's yeah. that credit card in the back of the wallet. You never it, Exactly. Uh, uh, the one you try to hide, right? But
2: you know it's there. And Nancy, yeah, good question. So the um, the reimbursement, supplementary reimbursement will be low. The gas will, um isn't there something with that to where the uh, expenses will be? There will be a change this year in the retirement, the, what, what is 68, 68, 68,
1: 78, 68,
2: 78? One of those things. Uh,
1: oh, the, in the...
6: Um, I think, yeah, I think you might be referring to the pension obligation. Yes, yes. That, um... I think we may. If I remember on the uh, capital um, uh, uh, plan we are. I think this is the last year. Uh, Andy, you know, uh, is this the last year that we pay into the POB? Uh, we pay it off. There was another like 19 million or something. It's a small. Payment. It's a small payment. So there's a small. It's
2: not as big as
6: it's been. Right in the last couple of years because we had some. You may recall in, I think it was FY 15 or 16. Uh, because of the cash flow issues. The county actually paid part of it for us and so we had our remaining amount and then we had the amount that we owed back to the county and that kind of ballooned the last couple mm-hmm. of years and so uh, this is the last year of, of one of those uh, the sizable payments. They've been in about I think the 16, 17 to 18. What's been the payments? Has it been about 18 million a year or somewhere in that range?
2: Okay. Whatever it is,
6: that was actually the basis for which the county uh, uh, surmised accurately that we would not have as much uh, debt, and so that's why we were we agreed to then start to put the seven million dollars into the uh, reserve fund. So that's what that's kind of that handoff of those two. Mm -hmm. That's occurring. Okay.
2: So this year is a smaller. Uh,
6: I think it's next year that's a little bit less. Okay. We'll confirm that, but I think that's accurate. Thank you. So just
0: clarify the gap. Um, and since you're seeing as 1.5 in the in this
6: projection,
1: oh, in this projection, it was it was point, um, point one percent.
6: You mean for the remainder of this fiscal oh, year? For, well, no, for that projection period, of
0: 12 months.
1: So the oh, t- the, the, oh, the, oh rolling.
0: The, the rolling 12, yeah, the rolling
1: 12, rolling 12, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, that the rolling 12 was
6: I think it went down to
1: 1.5 percent, but that's a
6: that's, it's going to be, it's, yeah. it would be worse than that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's good, sir. Yeah. yeah. So it's, It's. A, I mean, the beauty of this uh, effort, I think, uh, the 12-month rolling is obviously as we get closer to the end of the year, the 12-month ro- rolling becomes the basis of the budget for the right following right year. Right so right. so it gives you a window uh, uh, early on to what we're seeing coming down the pike so that then when you when we come to you with a budget, you're, you're, you're able to look to that to right. say, you know, where's the reality check of what's happening here? So we don't say, hey, you know, in the next 12 months, we're expecting to have a, another year of a 4.5% EBITDA. No, you know, that's not it, something crazy has happened in the math if we have something that's uh, wildly off from what you're seeing as we get closer to the end of the year. Remind me, when, when do we
0: start going in budget? Uh, we start
6: now. So we just started the effort. You start roughly around April is when we start to uh, give you um, uh, Hope yeah. we'll continue to see this rolling 12. Yes. Which sort of keep us. Right.
0: In you got it. Right. That's you helpful. It. Thank you. I think it's over to uh, Chief Operations Officer. So while she hands it to him,
6: though, I, I, <coughs> particularly for as as the, uh, the trustees who were here uh, last year, uh, let's just acknowledge, and I think um, um, kudos to uh both teams, the finance and the uh, the staff on the operating side, more so than the leadership, but really good uh, diligent money, management and partnership on the uh, budget oversight. This time last year, you recall, we had a really significant hole uh, that we had to figure out what the next couple of months was uh, going to be like to get us out of that. And we started this year, I think you with us frighteningly figuring out that we just approved a budget where we over-forecasted our revenue uh, to the tune of $27 million, and we've gone through five months here uh, closed and we're right on budget. Uh, so we've been able to, to really compensate for that. Like right? It's really
0: important to acknowledge yeah, it's, that. The difference is it feels fine. a lot less,
6: my, my shoulders aren't as heavy as they were year. <laughs> yeah, it feels like we're, we're <laughs> ahead of the problem as opposed to responding to it. Yeah. yeah. Some of people in personally. this room who are chiefly responsible yeah. for, for that. Yeah. yeah.
3: No, I really do. I, I mean, I think that your staffing levels, your expense reduction, and your revenue capture is phenomenal compared to and, and our knowledge of what what it looks like is just
0: so different than what we we're here. And you know, really really strong management. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Thank you for your work. Really so, nice. with that <laughs> introduction, yeah. uh, do you have any questions? <laughs> uh, honestly, <we> have. <laughs>
4: not uh, that too often. Is to that. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, no, right. yeah. it so it's, <laughs> it's good once in a while. It's good. Didn't they? Yeah. Uh, again, I,
7: you have the report, um, and I know that you had several questions earlier, and I'll be, I'll be happy to, have, to, to answer them. Just highlighting several things just from a performance perspective. Uh, you know, in, in our population health area, again, we're continuing to look at uh, uh, year-to-date performance, and they continue to perform well over the month. In, uh, in the current month, they were slightly over. Again, this is largely due to some of the work that we're doing as it relates to some of the temporary resources that we're using in case management, and so that's one of those areas where. It's very difficult to recruit that, that, that skill set, and uh, so we have a lot of temporary uh, support in that area, and that's you know, obviously at a slightly higher cost, and so we're diligently working hard to fill those roles and, and manage that. But overall, they're managing some of their contracts, and one of the biggest contracts that we focus on we keep an eye on is outside medical services. And so that's, again, those that you're, you're paying for, that you're sending out elsewhere. So we're managing that very closely, and they're doing great work in that area. So overall, here to today, they're doing well. Provided delivery, uh, what you'll notice, and one of the things that I highlight is the fact that we have uh, um, Oh, do you, you want, want to advance I, mean, I know I don't have it, it. I just usually yeah, speak simple. to yeah. it. But provided delivery, one of the things that you'll notice is that uh, our contract of physician services is slightly above budget for a month, uh, and equally slightly above for year to date. And so I'll just refresh your memory. This, this really is largely driven by the transition that we had in the emergency department uh, coverage. Uh, when we transitioned from CEP to sound, to an oak care uh, they, for, for a period of time we were using quite a few locums to provide coverage and support those activities because of the uh, rapid transitions that occurred and so this is a little bit of a carryover from that but we, we are now uh, pretty much fully staffed in those, in those uh, hospitals, uh, Alabama and San Leandro and so we'll see that come back uh, online and we'll be back on target and we'll certainly be back on budget uh, for the year end. In ambulatory, there was a lot of discussion earlier about the clinic visits. A couple of things I'll point out: uh, the primary care, the, the sorry, uh, primary care uh, at at, uh, at all locations, with the exception of Hayward. And what I will share is that at Hayward. Um, one of the things that we uh, uh, that I learned uh, this, this month as we were reviewing all the information is that we're actually capturing all visits in, uh, under Hayward and we're representing them under primary care, but that's actually inclusive of some specialty care. And so we're going to break those out. And so next month in the report, you will see uh, Hayward not only in primary, but you'll also see Hayward under specialty care. And we're going to break those out to see where we're at. Because we want to make sure that we're looking at the right dollars. You know, you will have a perception that, oh, Hayward's doing fine. They're on budget. Well, let me make sure, let me see where we're at. Although the specialty visits at Hayward are not as great, we want to make sure that we're looking at those in segregated rooms, separated room correctly. That's probably the differential. Uh, correct. So we'll, we'll have to look at that. Uh, of, of note, uh, our Alameda Primary Health uh, Care Clinic, we're, we're still in the ramp-up phase. One of the things that I will say is that over the last uh, several months, we were still working through some of the health plans and trying to make sure that we got enrolled. And, and uh, in fact, we had our last visit uh, with the Alliance in December. So what we hopefully will continue to, you know, continue our efforts in, in marketing and communication, and so to see, continue to see that ramp up in that clinic there. Uh, but we're also looking at ways to continue to maximize those resources and leveraging the the, the provider, and the physicians, and other clinics uh, across the system. Can you remind us what the complete ramp up goal would be once it's completed the ramp up? How many? visits we expect on a monthly basis. Well, we're looking at, we have a budget of 90 there uh, uh, for, for this. I mean, again, I, I can't oh, remember what sort of number was that for that clinic?
2: I think that was the, uh, it's not yeah. different,
6: it's a smaller clinic. It was There's only the one for Yeah, it's one for yeah. I the, the, the clinic uh, came about as a result of uh, the loss of a part-time um, clinic that we had on the island, and uh, uh, there was a, a significant outcry to have some primary care access on. So it's not an FQHC uh, a site. Uh, um, it was uh, just our effort to uh, re-establish primary care on the island. It's a nice facility, but it's a sm- much smaller uh, practice, and uh, we've struggled to get it up to even that number uh, uh, now. But as we and we've been managing the expenses during that time by uh, uh, purposing the staff in ways that support other parts of the operation uh, while we work on sort of some of the regulatory pieces to uh, be able to make sure that once we're seeing patients, we're able to uh, go and collect for those visits. So if we were to pull that out and
0: do what we did with uh, Alameda Hospital mm-hmm. uh, last time we met, mm-hmm. an analysis of the financial bottom
6: line. Mm-hmm. Is this a lost leader because of the scale issues? Uh, you know, it's a good question. I'd have to look at it. Yeah. I, I think I'm trying to think about what the pro forma was when we when we put it together. Uh, did
7: it? Did it? Well, the, the, well, again, usually, and again, because of the size of the clinic, it's one provider. It, it, it's, it's not a moneymaker. No. It's what you're looking at is you're looking at the referrals, you're looking at the, the patterns and the halo effect of the clinic as far as those primary care providers, you know, sending patients to the facility for diagnostics, yeah. or for, um, you know, so imaging, so for that. things of that nature. So, and, and that's, really, that's really the case for many primary care clinics. I mean, that, you know, it's, it's, it's really the halo effect of what you're getting for that in the referrals.
2: Okay. And thank you. I didn't hear much. Yeah. And, and we need
7: a primary care on the island.
3: It's like it's yeah. part of our network. We, yeah. just, we need to do it, and it's and great. also it because, to do
2: because it. I think some of the, uh, like Stanford or the others, were uh, creating okay. a presence of the primary care presence. So just having that and then siphoning patients off to their facilities for not yeah. care so and so there's like a that. bigger
7: so objective. It's then. more strategic. Mm-hmm. Right. This is I said, in this clinic we have we have. Uh, you know, just a few exam rooms, it's a small location. Uh, But one of the things that Dr. Jamal and I are working on is looking at seeing how we could introduce specialty care there as well. So not only have the primary, but specialty care, having some sort of rotation. So we're still working through that. And then currently, our our physician, the primary care physician that's there is is supporting that clinic, but we're also looking at leveraging that
4: resource at at some of our other clinics here at at Highland and other locations. What's the percentage of capitation now (coughs) in the primary care side? Well, right now, on well, particular site, or no, it's just no. no. Site it's well, as far as as far as capitation, um,
5: well, you've
6: got Newark, so Eastmont, and Hayward. Right. Yeah, three of yeah. the four now are all on capitation. Oh, primary care capitation, right. and Highland yeah. is the last one for March. March.
4: Yeah. But I mean, of those clinic visits, right? Of so, the so total? Yeah, of the total, what would you say? And isn't that eventually going to have an impact on the visits because? As we move more into a successful successful capitated model, aren't we going to try and find alternatives to to actually having those patients come in, come in for visits? Come in for visits. Yes
6: and no. We, we have, this has actually been a little really business. It's it's kind of interesting when you when you uh, wrap up the, uh, the, the theory of, um, of you know population health and some of the efforts around uh, efficiency and and. and, and uh, that sort of thing against the practical realities of what the payment uh, models look like. So, so in our clinics, uh, one of the things that's happening for all of our sites is that our average number of visits uh, is already quite low. It's it's actually lower than the average for the alliance uh, overall. So, their average overall is something around two visits a year uh, per patient, and for our uh, clinics, uh, by and large, the number is like less than less, more, than, less than one. So, they actually have set, we have uh, paper performance uh, uh, metrics, and one of them is actually getting closer to the average, because while now we're now under a capitated model, and they are too, in terms of their, their, their rates, they're still, uh, their, their rates are still predicated off of volume and activity, and so they need us actually at least to see. <coughs> on average that right. that, that um, uh, patient's that number of times. I mean, we're still I'm not trying to come up with a situation where historically it was just you're going to come back every three months, you're going to come back every three months uh, for everybody and then you catch a catch can, uh, but the notion is that at least on average maybe that your, your that number of visits would be closer to two, but um, it's an incremental thing for us. And e-visits was going to
7: have an <coughs> impact on that too. Yeah, and right like, uh, now they don't get reimbursed for that. Right. And, uh, right. Is that, yeah, is that correct? They're, they're, there's no but
1: the other thing that we have to keep in mind is that at the FQHC, even though we're capitated, our payment is based on a per visit rate. Wow. So mm-hmm. the payments that we get yeah. on the capitation actually offset whatever we would get for our, our per visit rate. Because it's it, all you're going to get. What, under Medi Cal, Medi Cal managed care, and an yeah. FQHC, you get your rate per visit. Yes. So you still have to generate wow. at okay. least as many visits just to keep revenue the exactly.
6: So that's the route, right? So you want to come up with, and we are doing all these yeah. uh, alternative uh, means of, of contact <coughs> and saving patients. And it doesn't mean that it, it negates that and you shouldn't be doing those things, but it still has these, uh, you still you have, have these sort up. of practical. Uh, uh, methodologies and uh, uh, rules in place that, that make it a complete uh, one or either or. Mm-hmm.
8: Nice. In terms of the question about percentage of capitation, that would just
6: be the alliance. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I, well, in, in most of our clinics, I mean, the alliance uh, population for our, our, our clinic population is about, I want to say about two-thirds, I think. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, if I, I mean, you just asked for primary care, I and mean, so we have to look at, right now, for all those sites, which of those patients are Lions patients now, and then which of the visits are their visits versus the, um, uh, the Anthem patients or Health Pat patients who are also right. being seen in this clinic. We can figure that out
4: for them. Yeah, okay, well, it's just interesting yeah. is yeah. I'm looking at the shifts mm-hmm. by in volumes and mm-hmm. other capitation. what the impact is gonna be on that, on that volume. Yeah,
6: yeah. we had yeah. some really interesting, I don't let me see we do a monthly meeting, a leadership meeting with the, uh, the Alliance, and, and we're constantly looking at how we the things we're working on, how it's going. Uh, yesterday we had a really, I think, a um, robust discussion around um, the capitation efforts. So it took us a lot these, uh this uh, pretty reliable uh, demographic data for some of the patients that are now capitated so that we could view you know, the correct our outreach to say, you know, yeah. we see that we haven't had, in this case, the initial health assessment, which mm-hmm. is a requirement for i here, and, and that was one of our targets, too. Uh, out of several thousand patients and several thousands of letters and calls that our staff had to do to do this, do this outreach. Um, there's was a very low yield in terms of, and when I say low yield, I'm talking in the teens uh, visits that actually manifested from that effort. Uh, uh, some of it driven by just the complexities of the population. Some, uh, a lot of it was, I mean, you know, it's, yeah, the contact information is not uh, um, uh, necessarily good. Um, what we were told is a lot of times when people sign up for public programs, they give you the same, they give you the same number that they give to safely when they get the card, which is like that number may have. It may have never been a number, you know, you don't really need to call me. We have to wait for a very reliable number that comes from a provider engagement or a case manager engagement, but it's a catch twenty two, right? So or it's a um post the card. We're trying to call them to give them in, so you can get that information, but mm-hmm. you don't have the right number right? So you're effectively relying on a lot of them showing up that then allows you to do that. But, but anyway, this is this is a growing, uh, I think, a learning curve, certainly for us, but also <coughs> with the Alliance. And so uh, you'll hear more about this, I think, at the, uh, uh, the retreat at the end of the month. Sure. Yeah. Is there a movement towards capitation for Anthem as well? Or? yeah so our first story was i mean this is uh, largely driven by the waver and we wanted to tour ourselves into this so we didn't end up doing something that really upended things and, 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 and lost our shirt. So uh, the Alliance being the bigger partner and the more um, prepared partner to do this with us, we started with them. But the second for uh, uh, and I, I don't know if we've decided this yet, I think we decided that we would uh, go th- to Anthem and do Premier care uh, before we did specialty care, which uh, we had to do a lot more sort of actuarial and uh, uh, operational analysis to figure out kind of how we get the right rates, what are the areas where we're ready to do that. And really uh, have the right capacity and right. you know, uh, delivery model for that correct. So I think the
7: next plan is to go to correct. Uh, correct. Anthem uh, for a clinic care, yes. care is a lot more yeah. risk. Correct. Yeah. So primary care for Anthem after we go live here at Highland and we've got all four clinics uh, with the LRAs. Right. So two more points on this very quickly. I know you've raised a lot of discussion just to point out uh, um, the from a special from a primary care perspective we're as you can see 2% below, below target for here today. Uh, talking to the team and working you know through our our end of clinic uh, leadership, you know, we feel pretty confident that we'll, we'll, we'll close that gap, and we'll make sure we close, we end up on budget. Specialty care is a little bit more, you know, we're more of a concern. We're we'll continuing to dive in to look at that, and we'll drill down further. And next month, I'm hoping to provide further detail on exactly what we're looking at doing there to drive that uh, that support. Uh, and then the other small one in Fairmont you mentioned, I heard Fairmont mentioned earlier, that's our uh, that's our homeless van clinic, a mobile clinic, and so again, that that kind of you know, we're working through that, looking at how that's working. That's the that we have and we have a
6: problem actually uh, we don't have a driver yeah right. uh, and so the clinic uh, yeah, the clinic has been uh, grounded uh, call it's a it's a collaboration the driver is actually a county employee well we staff and operate the clinic the driver is a county employee and says uh, something happened there I don't know all the details but I uh, talked to recently talked to the nurse practitioner who who uh, 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 staff uh, clinic, and she said that in the absence of the driver, we've been actually going to sites, um, um, as shelters, and other sites, and, and continuing our outreach, uh, but more within a physical site and not on the, the not on the van. But uh, I don't know when that occurred, but that may be impacting our, our numbers on that uh, on that service.
7: Okay. Uh, so moving into the, again, just looking at the, the expense side of the, of the house, uh, they've done a phenomenal job of continuing to manage expenses. I, I, I'm sorry, now yes, you've got my attention to the it, drama it, thing, and
3: you got it, that's the healthcare care van, was uh, plus, right? Yeah,
7: it's licensed to the, uh,
3: yeah, that's it. Right. So are you saying that we are projected to have 98 visits a month?
6: Uh, I don't know if that's a number, yes, That's yeah. not atypical for uh, yeah. uh, they're
8: not
0: efficient. Okay. The value is you're reaching a population. Yeah, good going.
8: Going. And they're not
7: full yeah, the time not the the clinics. Ones. They're not forty the hour. And they're probably not forty hour. right hours. What? No, it's, it's not. It's not. Yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. full yeah. time clinic. They're yeah, yeah. on the road. So on yeah. yeah. It's only so
5: many. So many days a week. Uh, yeah. And yeah. it's different
7: days. Yeah. yeah. This is good education for me. And again, when you look at the one of the things that I just just as a point of food for thought is that when you look at the month there's not ninety eight. It 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 could fluctuate remember this has been spread out throughout the year for seasonality and now we're looking at no, your historical trains, but that was the budget for that month. For yeah. that month, right.
4: No, so, it's not yes,
7: sir. Yeah, no it's just home. that I just did yeah, I mean it's just
3: stronger uh, evidence why we need to link everyone to a health
7: pump so that they can get to a clinic and to uh, to build brick and mortar facility. Correct. So again, expenses being well-managed, uh, well below budget, not only month-to-date, but year-to-date in all areas. Uh, when we go to the acute care setting, this is where we start talking a little bit about uh, some of the key indicators, when we're looking at uh, our discharges. As you can see, discharges were the low target by 4%. percent but right on target for year-to-date, but that, again, is an explanation of why you start seeing, now uh, you see less discharges or what's support on, when you start seeing the higher length of stay, right. you start seeing the higher acute patients. Right. One of the things that we're not reporting here is our case mix index. And when we look at that, that, which is the indicator for acuity, we're seeing a significant increase in comparison to budget. So again, that's a lot of work that we're doing there in those in
4: those areas to There's help manage the, add the case mix index to this report. And Certainly, so be easy to see the case mix index. Certainly, and how that's flexing with length like of stay. We'll do that. We'll yeah. start that. We, we have it in our other reports. Um, but again, uh,
7: so just looking at uh, at all the areas, as we mentioned, we continue to see. Uh, decreasing volumes in our ED. That's the, the other, uh, you know, Larry point there where, we're, as you can see, we're 10% for the month, uh, 10% year-to-date. And this is uh, recognizing that when we made the when we put the budget when we put the budget forward for this year, we had actually projected and budgeted a reduction
4: from previous year, and we're still having difficulties meeting the targets for the budget this year. But that ha- hasn't that been a multi-year trend that we? It has seen? been. It has been. Others yeah. are yeah. seeing the same thing, right? Everyone <laughs> uh, except Kaiser San Leandro.
5: <laughs>
6: well, so, yeah. so we've been talking about um, um, getting. Um, yeah, uh, that's good.
4: Yeah, no, we we got the trend data. Yes, and, and we corroborated that that was still the case. <laughs> it's interesting that, that Kaiser and Leander are seeing that increase. Then, yeah. Yeah. are they picking up more patients, or it's it's tough to tell. It's probably a combination of more people enrolling with Kaiser, it's uh, kind of uh,
6: access in that area. It's it's really unclear. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's it's antithetical to the Kaiser uh, model that you know they're seeing more people. EDs, uh, but it's not entirely clear to mm-hmm. the external to the, uh, or to our across the the decline is that
3: possibly based on an increased number of people with health insurance because of the Affordable Care
6: Act. It's possibly a number of things. I mean, we had um, like sh- more optimistic. Sh- we had Charlotte Wills in at Friday's committee mm-hmm. yesterday talking about kind of with uh, what she's seen uh, from uh, the ED over the number of years, and and she uh, she seemed to suggest that that the the more acuity things that uh, were really confounding our EDs uh, uh, don't seem to be as uh, prevalent for urgent care, clinic uh, access, all those sorts of things. Uh, In our case, I think it's You know, perhaps a combination of that trend uh, that we're seeing, and perhaps even uh, some of the throughput challenges that can keep our ED beds locked up for a while. So you end up with those beds effectively not available to to uh, see uh, as many patients. But I don't I don't know that we have a lot of uh, left without being seen uh, data that would suggest that 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 people are actually walking out. uh, So it's. My sense is that we're actually seeing them, but just later, and so it isn't that you know there may be that ambulance volume uh, uh, that would otherwise come to us might not because we're uh, so impacted, but still we expect that we see a a shift in somebody else's uh, um, percentage of overall EV going up and. Uh, that doesn't seem to be bearing either. So maybe some yeah. of the immigration
8: fears around accessing. That
6: data. also could be a uh, certain a factor. Uh, uh, the whole public charge
4: uh, uh, and, and other um, associated efforts could be. some disease states too, as well, right? Yeah, reduction uh, yeah. cardiac cases coming through the ED. D. Yeah. have seen some of that recently. So I mean, there are some interesting statistics. In yeah, I yeah, I think we need to keep watching this. Yeah, Fisher, did you, do you, do you have one other? Or did you wrap
7: up? Well, I, I, I can easily wrap up. The only other thing I would just share, I wanted to highlight here is just to show you here uh, behavioral health. Uh, we're starting to see some significant uh, uh, volumes and increases in, in behavioral health. As you can see, the emergency visits are, 17% above uh, budget, 11% here to date, uh, and our patient days also slightly up by 1%, uh, but our average stays to stay up uh, significantly by 10%. So we're seeing patients stay a little longer. At John George, we're, we're very busy. We're starting to see a lot of activity in the PES, um, and again, a lot of this has to do with, uh, you know, just changes that are happening out of that in, in the community and, and with the programs, and so I know that there's uh, here soon in the in the near future, there was a memo that came out that they'll be making some adjustments to. If you recall, Sausal Creek was was uh, was, was oh, yeah. closed down, was modified. They sent out a recent memo saying that they're going to start providing and piloting uh, medication dispensing and things of that nature to support these patients for, um, you know, and hopefully to prevent you know PE or you know other types of interventions. So, uh, and then, but even without that, they're continuing to manage their expenses very well. They're they're doing. Uh, phenomenal job there, even though like, they've had some challenges with, uh, you know, the acuity and the, the necessity for one-to-one uh, care of patients, but again, they do phenomenal work there. I want to say across the board, all areas uh, are doing uh, excellent work. Post-acute, uh, also very busy, as you can see. So all areas are above budget, highly impacted, uh, but they continue to manage within those resources. And then our system support services, uh, you know, we're, we're operating well below budget of 13%. Uh, month-to-date, year-to-date. So again, managing overhead, managing the operations, staying uh, consistent with volume, and tracking volume, uh, and flexing accordingly. So again, phenomenal work, uh, all the staff, and uh, as you were saying earlier, uh, Trustee deliveries, I mean, we, we have shrunk, and, and we have really, I think that the culture has shifted. People are very engaged, are very involved. They're managing and looking at their data regularly. And so, I mean, to your point, uh, you know, this pay period last year, we were 150 FDEs higher. So uh, we have great volumes uh, and, uh, you know, staff working more efficiently, so. Uh, unless you have any other questions, that's all I have. All right. Thank you. Thank you for your yes, question. question. You. Let's go on to a local vendor engagement
0: program. Okay. Um, so those so uh, the other folks uh positions. Um, the uh us, and I could, oh,
2: uh,
0: protocol for uh, having twenty-five um, percent presentation and seventy-five percent discussion.
5: <laughs> um,
0: Step number one I'll limit my them. remarks to an hour. I think I've <laughs> three hours to discuss all of this. Well,
5: I'm going to clear this. You're approaching that as if it were a joke. <laughs>
0: no, it's uh, not. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> So I just, you know, appreciate the opportunity to uh, give you an update on our local vendor engagement program. There have been a couple of matters that have before the committee that have prompted questions about where we're at with this. And so there's really three things that I think that it makes sense for us to try to do today. One is give you a sense of, of where we've been and where we're going, um, because I think it's important to understand that this is a process or a journey, if you will. Uh, Two, I want to talk about specifically what it is that uh, we intend to do on a going forward basis in terms of, you know, making this uh, a more formal program. Uh, And then three, which I think is the most important thing, which will actually come in the middle, you know, we are actually, you know, looking, you know, to some, you know, engagement and feedback from the board about some of the, um, what I think is the more crucial point of this, and that is why are we doing it? What do we hope to accomplish? What can we accomplish with it? Uh, There are some, you know, fairly obvious things that one might do in terms of creating a program like this, but I think it's important to sort of understand, you know, what those, um, uh, you know, what those outcomes, you know, should mean for an organization like ours and our organization in particular. And so when we were going through the presentation that was part of the materials, you saw that there were some blanks in there. And that reflected the fact that, you know, there really is a question of what does the board want to see, you know, come out of this. And so that will be part of what we uh, have in the discussion today. I just want to, you know, point out that, you know, Ira Holly, our vice president of uh, contracting, is uh, here and uh, Baljeet Song, our vice president of support services, because they've both been integral to this. And from time to time, I'll ask them to uh, jump in and um talk about some of the work that they've done in particular in developing our partnerships outside the organization, which have, you know, served and informed us a little bit in terms of best practices. Um, in addition <coughs> you know, to them, you can say that we've had support, you know, from PACE, the Public Affairs and Community Engagement. And then um, there are members of our uh, IRIS team, in particular the Database Administrator, who's going to be sort of key and central to this on a going-forward basis. Um, because we really need to sort of understand what we're doing to inform, you know, what we would want to continue to do, or to change, or to do differently as we go forward. So, I uh, the handout that I just gave to you was something that I in the. Oh, and these are our outside partners, um, and uh, we'll come back to this because I want, you know, uh, Balzadeh and I were to talk with you a little bit about, you know, what we got out of the interaction with these folks, which I think has been sort of central to what we've been trying to do. So the handout, you know, and I apologize for not having this to you earlier, you know, I just wanted to give you just a quick overview of where we have been with this in terms of, you know, where this sort of got started, you know, what's sort of been happening in the interim. And, you know, really, you know, with, you know, Delvecchio's appointment and some of the discussions after his appointment, I think is when the the notion or this concept of us, you know, focusing on becoming an anchor institution, you know, really had gotten started. Um, And so there's, a number of pieces which go into being an anchor institution, of course. Uh, But, you know, focusing on the local vendor, you know, piece, you know, as I indicated there, you know, uh, in the early part of uh, 2017, we started looking at this from a legal standpoint, uh, from a contractual standpoint, from a resources standpoint of how would we actually implement, you know, a program like this. Um, It was in the middle part of 2017 that we actually came up with our first set of guidelines that we actually put into place uh, more specifically Specifically, uh, RFP processes, and so essentially, from you know the mid to latter part of 2017 going forward. What we have done with regard to competitive bidding typically has incorporated a focus on, you know, not only attracting and identifying but also selecting local vendors as well, too. Now, you know, the irony is that there have been, you know, two matters which have come to the committee uh, that have involved local vendors who were not selected. But in both instances, you know, those – that process was governed by a set of guidelines that included, you know, some specific – looking at local vendors. um, the other thing, which was the key, was towards the latter part of uh, 2017, and this is where I sort of became involved in this because the uh, contracting function was moved over to the Office of the General Counsel, um, and so we started looking at redesigning some of the contract processes because of the things that were needed to support moving forward on programs like this, just from you know how we were. So that was part of the, the sort of legwork or foundation necessary to get us to where we go. As you can see, like I said, in 2017 we actually did get to the point of where we were able to start to implementing this. The other thing that happened in 2017, which is not reflected there. Um, and will result in me handing out something hey, else yeah. to <laughs> you.
5: Okay.
0: Hey, Mike, I, I really have to leave at five
3: thirty, and I love this. I'd love it if we get to the meat of it. Okay. I, I, yeah, I, I introduced the Anchor Institution Organization it was Democracy Project or something. Mm-hmm. Project. Yeah. yeah,
0: but this is great. So that's what this health. This awesome. his uh, mm-hmm. this handout here goes to the Healthcare Anchor Network, which we are a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, began our membership, I believe, was sometime in late of two thousand seventeen. Awesome. So we. Uh, now, uh, basically, we're now basically gone through a process of, you know, both um, developing, you know, data and process you know, for moving this forward. That happened last summer. Um, we have gone through a process, you know, which really looks at developing partnerships that will be helpful to us. Um, and now uh, we have a, essentially a final program that we're looking to, you know, implement on a going-forward basis. So I'm not going to spend any time sort of going through these things, you know, talk specifically. Um, You know, I think they're fairly straightforward in terms of the steps that we had taken, you know, to get to where we needed to get to. Uh, The one thing that, you know, I will sort of, you know, sort of uh, depart over here is... (coughs) So as a result of the work that we went through, you know, basically up through next summer, we were actually able to put ourselves in a position of understanding more accurately where we are at now. And so, as you can see from the materials, we went from, you know, assuming that we were only hitting about 14% of our vendors being local. To, in fact, it was actually 31%, you know, That's in a higher number. And so on a going forward basis, this is the sort of information that we're going to have available to us, you know, to to actually monitor what we're doing and then inform whatever decisions we make on a going-forward basis. The other piece, and this is a piece I'll ask for, you know, Ira to talk about, is actually being able to perform some sort of economic impact analysis. So, Ira,
9: if you can just briefly explain what this is all about. Uh, sure. <coughs> with regards to the economic <coughs> impact analysis, we would propose to contract. Yeah, oh, yeah. Closer your mics. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting feedback. It sounds like I'm talking very loud. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah, okay. Alrighty. Um, with regards to economic impact analysis, we are proposing to enter into a contractual arrangement with a provider of these services called Implan. I M P um, L A N. The short of it is, they use publicly available, governmentally collected data such as census data, Bureau of Labor Statistics, etc. That is not only federal but I understand to be state as well as local at the county level. They out, they agglomerate it. And then to use shorthand, they use algorithms, such as Google would for search, but they use algorithms that can then be tailored to do searches of this data, meta-analyses, et cetera, such that if you want to understand the localized impact in any particular geographical area of spend under any kind of arrangement, including a contract, mm-hmm. you put in the specifics of the spend, and you say, what is the area I'm interested in? And then you spit out, report. This is an example of a report using one of our actual contracts that actually came before this board, or a while back, for um, our ambulance services. And per the terms of that arrangement, and they are local to San Diego, and their annual spend is $1.6 Now, the elements (coughs) that are important for the analysis is in the table. So there are three main buckets, direct, indirect, and induced effects. That's just their nomenclature. But what you can take for direct effect is that there is 1.6 million, which is what we're actually paying the vendor. The amount of money that they in turn spend on salaries of their employee staff is 950,000. So that's the fraction of the 1.6 allocated to payroll. Of that, it is creating an estimated total FTE count of 15.55. So you can, and this is local to be important. They know the zip codes that we have for Alameda County and the still within it. And they assure me under the algorithm, but I cannot walk you through that. I'd be Don't. looking for Google. <laughs> um, they, localized impact is 15.55 Alameda County, FTE supported. Now, that's the easier part. When you ask, what is the indirect effect? What that is, is a way to summarize business to business. So if you're an ambulance provider, you need to actually put materials and supplies in your rigs. You need to buy your rigs or lease them. You need to purchase fuel. All of these things need to have businesses' support. So you turn around and take the money I spend on you, the $1.6 million, and you reallocate that in business to business arrangements. So what they're saying here is that those business-to-business arrangements, the ripple effect, if you will, is going to cause actually an additional 516,000 of those 1.6 million are turned around and shelled out to other additional businesses to support what I need as the prime vendor. That 185,000 of those 516,000 go to generating payroll that supports those business-to-business services, and the 2.69 is those business-to-business FTE supported as the result of our control arrangement with Royal Ambulance that's also relatively straightforward the last element but also quite important is induced effect which is really what you're saying is what is the impact of the spend that the employees of the ambulance provider in turn turn around and say okay I am an ambulance driver I've now gotten my paycheck I turn around and I spend and again it's localized and they've been able to determine that in this case for Alameda County it supports an additional five business um, FTEs that are supporting the demand that is generated by the employees that by the ambulance company provide. So when you aggregate it, you're looking at the total impact economically on the localized area. So roughly, that is what we're going to be able to do with this contractual arrangement. And what we're proposing right now to do is not only to do this analysis for all of the contracts that come before the board, it is a very cheap tool, it is a flat rate, and I don't see any reason since it's so easy that whenever we do any contracts, we can actually analyze the impact. Even if it doesn't go to the board, you do want regular reporting on the total impact, mm-hmm. so right. it's
4: not just what you approve, it's the totality.
2: This
4: makes me so, so happy. This is nice. And so do you need something from us, uh, an approval With of uh, something? or? No, there's, and a little more we need to go through here first. No. So.
5: so, so,
0: that's what we are into our for. two hours. That was a joke. But, uh, right. awesome. um,
5: but uh, you know, I, I think it's important to sort
0: of understand what we have available to us now, sure. because, um, you know. The, where this really comes down to is understanding. okay, what do we want to do with this? You know, I have here, you know, a mission statement, which, you know, sort of captures the general idea of what these programs are about. I think it's important, you know, for us, you know, virtually every public agency, you know, has some program like this. You know, I think that there's some unique elements to, you know, this type of program in a healthcare setting. And as you can see from the materials, you know, from the healthcare anchor network, you know, the whole, you know, notion of the anchor institution here is focused on the healthcare mission it's not simply you know economic development it's economic development which assists in the ability to actually impact the community of the health and so it's not just you know the question of you know having increased business the question really sort of comes to you know okay when you get out of that and so I think it's important for us to you know, look at that in the context of understanding what we want you know to be the goals you know for this and understand how those goals, you know, should play out so that we can understand, you know, are we actually getting to the point of what we hope to do with this and that is actually, in, you know, impact the health of the community. So, you know, in the materials, you know, we had sort of laid out some, you know, potential things for us to look at as well. As I think for the first year, the things that we have there make sense, you know, from the standpoint of some initial baseline assessment so that we can sort of measure where we're going forward. Um, And then, um, you know, we also need, you know, because what we think is an important piece of the structure of this is not only what we are doing ourselves, but what we might be influencing in terms of, you know, other businesses. And so, for example, you know, there's so much that we can do in terms of spending with local vendors, but there are things that we can do to improve local vendors' ability to, you know, attract business in other areas as well, too. And so we're participating in our GPOs, you know, diversity, uh, you know, program, or just, you know, allowing them to increase their capacity or, you know, the uh, the quality of their business model. So those are the things that we've tried to sort of capture in terms of, you know, uh, specific things that we can accomplish in this first year it's not clear yet what we should be looking at in terms of some of the other you know more specific monetary metrics because one of the things and you'll see that you know the uh, third bullet there under the first goal is identify you know quote spend and quote available to local vendors and we think that's going to be an important part of what we're doing because you know of all the money we spend there's only not all of that can or will be spent on local vendors be simply by nature in order to really sort of measure effectively what we're doing and what we're accomplished we want to be able to you know basically carve out what that number should be so that we can then measure from that Um, the other thing is you know the fact that we're talking you know about a lot of our you know obligations with vendors are multi-year obligations and so we need to We're going to have to sort of, you know, figure out theoretically, okay, are we looking at new engagements, you know, because once you have a dollar amount, that dollar amount is fairly well set, and it may be for varying periods. And so you know, what we don't want to do is to sort of end up, you know, sort of looking at numbers that don't actually reflect, you know, if we're making progress and in increasing spend, you know, things along those lines. So that's why some of that stuff we still have to figure out before we can actually get to the point of coming up with, you know, specific targets. But I think, you know, what's, you know, useful for us to understand is if you would agree that generally speaking, these are the types of things that we should focus our attention on, separate and apart, you know, from what those numbers might actually be on a going forward basis. So that's part of what we wanted have you um
3: uh, <clears throat> asked the, the the collaborative you know the folks that are doing this nationally what's you know what sort of benchmarks they're using as a as a reference because i know that they're ahead of us in some some areas where they where they seeded this program you know eight ten years ago so i'm just curious if you could look at the trajectory in those systems and and apply those
0: those percentages here so yes so generally speaking well, certainly the, uh, the middle group mm-hmm. of, um, you know, looking at percentage increases, that's typically the benchmark which is used in these types of programs. Uh, the last one there I think is a little bit more specific to what we're looking at right. because we have that particular uh, element uh, to it as far as it goes. But, you know, again, you know, if generally speaking, these are things which would be helpful to you in understanding you know the effectiveness of the program from your particular lens. Then we'll continue you know, to work to refine this. But if, but if there's other things that you think we should be measuring, that's what we also want to hear from you as well too. Will
2: this be a part of our meeting? Um, you, you think, or uh, this is too early to be kind of um, thinking about any of any of this? The. You know, what, what would be your SMART goals, like you said, be that you're thinking about? So um, these are the metrics you think, What these are the elements that we should be measuring or these are the elements we should be tracking. These are some proposed things, or these are things that, um, these are your proposed goals. So we yeah, come back here. These are the ones we're
0: looking at. I don't anticipate that for this year that we would be looking at specific numbers because we're still focused on just trying to, to create baselines. Yeah. But on a going forward basis, mm-hmm. and you know, for the next fiscal year, we would be looking at you know these things here. I think. Sorry.
3: sort
0: <laughs> I mean, of the um,
3: I, first, I don't know. This would be. A, um, I think a different agenda items for the retreat in February, um, but maybe maybe later. Yeah. As far as the benchmarks and establishing those, but I do think the standards that you're that you're proposing further down, I'm hoping you're implementing now, uh, or, or that's the word, mm-hmm. Like the. The the ten percent, you know, the, the you know that you have to have of three vendors, one has to be local, you know, it goes to the local and that's you know it's a greater than ten percent you know variance. Is that the software, I mean that that you can do now, right? You know, yes, you the, yeah, the, the,
0: the, the program elements themselves will be implemented within this fiscal year on a formal basis across the board. Okay. So I'm just be curious, um if we looked at, like, that recent debate we had about the parking contract,
3: had we applied these, what would be the outcome of that? I, I don't recall. But, I think it still well, would have gone the same like way. That, it, but, yeah, but to go that's back to what that's the they were doing. It would have gone the same way, right, right?
0: That contract and the earlier one that involved, both of those were processed under the guidelines that we have. Oh, were. I heard the reference. Yes. Oh, sorry. I, to I missed 10% that. Ten percent, for example, as yeah. a reference to yes. that yes. process.
8: Yeah. I'm just curious. I really like that tool with the uh, direct, indirect, and induced. Is that something that we're thinking about just analyzing our current contracts with, or would we be applying that during the bidding process to actually try to get a sense of what the economic impact of the bidders would be if we went with one or the other?
0: Um,
9: I don't know specifically, and Ira, have you thought? Um, We haven't actually implemented this um, service yet. Um, We were waiting for feedback from the board, um, but if it sounds that there is support for it, I would propose that we would go forward. We could implement soon. um, As a consequence of not having access to it yet, the answer is no. We have not been able to utilize it in RFPs to date. And just in terms of the,
6: the specific <coughs> usage though, what, what I'm hearing to talk with here is that uh, the, the, the intention would be that the parameters around the sort of the um, uh, vetting criteria that, that um, um, Mike and Joe were just talking about, that would be the, the stuff that we would use in the RFP process, okay. that this uh, data around, you know, indirect and induced would be a part of the um, the, uh, uh, rec- the recommendation and the action that comes to the board to say, you know, here's another piece of data around the impact of this particular uh, uh, contract that we're asking you to consider. Well, to, to uh, the end, either approve or not. Yeah, to
0: the is there really any difference? I mean, this that's sort of separate from the local vendor question, right? Because uh, the answer right. that comes out of that
5: algorithm is going to be the same.
9: Exactly. Well, yeah. about that. If it's an yes. RFP, then it's the terms are posted. The bidders just are bidding to see who gets to win it. But whatever it is and whoever wins, it's the same thing. So the terms of the contract are fixed in advance. Right. So you would know that they would all have the same economic impact, whoever wins.
4: Well, that's
9: that was my point. I mean, just to be clear, it isn't. Not, I don't well, think it's
0: directly based. <laughs> are not locally based take the parking for example the employees are working here that is exactly when you do the algorithm you're going to get the same
8: Results. Yes. could be it, true yeah. as well. You could have a local mm-hmm. base company that FTEs that are generated are not nearby for whatever reason. It just depends on what the service is because it could be it's IT or something. Is it
2: at that level of regularity right. though? Are we right.
9: looking right. at where the employees are coming from? What it does is it actually understands there's a huge number of codes called NAICS codes and what they essentially are, they break down by all the various categories of businesses, services, things that you can manufacture or provide in this country economically. And they basically identify those categories and that feeds into the algorithm. So based on what type of business they're in, it can then tell you what kind of economic impact it'll have locally. But it is also true that with regards to where, say, a company is headquartered, it would really more depend on what type of service it is because, if, for instance, it's laundry, they're not going to ship that laundry to another country to launder it, obviously. as close as possible because of logistical costs. But if it's digital or like, software information, that can be done anywhere in the world quite clearly. And again, it gets down to that code, what kind of
8: services or businesses? is it? But the RFP process could ask how many local jobs will be created as a result of this opportunity, for example. So that's why I was asking if we were thinking about trying to apply some semblance of this in the RFP process. Because it, it may be that we have to ask more questions than we're currently asking, actually. but. Um, that might be something to think about because I think the, I mean, creation of local jobs isn't the only impact. I mean, we're, you know, they're locally headquartered, but I think it is a major one that we would want to be tracking.
5: So, so then that would
6: go to the, not necessarily, the, uh, it would still be factored in uh, to the, um, sort of the feedback we get from the implant, but it could uh, go to what, what are the proposed um, the uh, criteria that just our standard RFP uh, um, uh, points of consideration, and right now, I don't think we have that type of a uh, of, uh, of a question. But I don't know. No,
0: is it companies. No, typically we would distinguish between local or non-local vendors. And uh, in terms, and yeah, you know, I don't think that we've had a situation where there's been competition between two local vendors. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure necessarily how we would sort that out. You know, as as part of it, because you know, typically what we would be looking at is. Okay, the criteria that go to this, um, they would essentially be equal with regard to the question of whether or not they're local vendors. But that's something which I think that we would tend to want to refine because, you know, when I, and I'm flipped over here to the future goals, because I, I think it's important, you know, for us to, to understand, again, what we're going to do with this once we've gotten to it in terms of, okay, what, what needle are we moving? Uh, and in particular, so are we you know, looking to improve the ability of businesses to do of certain businesses or or all businesses within the local community? Because not all businesses have the ability to have the same impact on the health care outcomes. We're looking at these are larger questions which have to be decided right here. I wanted you all to understand that that's this is to get to some of these larger questions separate and apart from how much are we spending and how many people are we spending it on. So I just wanted, mm-hmm. wanted to make clear that that's part of what we've incorporated into you know, some of the planning that we're doing here. Um, these are the process pieces that were included in material, but I think they're straightforward in terms of you know, how we would go about ensuring that we are you know both identifying and doing outreach in addition to about local vendors and we have it specifically for non-competitive and then a separate process for the competitive um, which is you know, RFPs, RFPs, RFIs and you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and like I say, generally speaking, competitive, that's been in place uh, for about the last 18 months. So I, I just want to clarify the 10% um, threshold assumes equal um, ability to perform. Yes. So for example, if we receive poor references on a local vendor and positive references on a non-local vendor, the 10% might be irrelevant? Or how would, how would you deal with it? Well, you know, generally speaking, in terms of references, you don't get to that in, in that initial stage. You know, when we're looking at, you know, basic qualifications, you know, can they meet the criteria and are set for it there? And, uh, are they able to perform and is on paper, essentially, are they equal with anyone else? Then it's that point that you might start looking at price differentials. And that price differential figure, you know, basically, you know, there's a number of different ways that this is done in some, you know, programs. They will basically automatically assign a, uh, a percentage, um increase for a local vendor versus another you know uh, there's various ways you can do it but the idea essentially is that you could if they're all within the same number or, or something along those lines so that's where that 10 comes from I,
6: but i think this is good is that the point you're getting
0: at? i i, don't know. I, I, I just you know we're paying a premium yeah. for a value yeah. which is a local vendor um i forget the language you use for that but anchor yeah i yeah. yeah. Re- recognize uh you want to be an anchor system um i don't think we
6: want to also offer the value of getting a lesser product. Right. I, that's what so I thought. So I, I I think your point is it, it's tough. It's tough to get at that when you're in the contract plan for email. Yes. To be perfectly honest. So right. so we, we we take a you know we take a leap of faith. Uh, that basically, what a vendor is representing to us, of course, we do our homework on both ends. But what they're representing is a reasonable, uh, uh, and achievable, something that we can feel confident, confident that when we put it in writing and they put. Writing that we can rely on, that's going to occur, and then reality plays out. Right. But, but I don't know that we could, we could, in, in any way, sort of, uh, with fidelity, uh, discount for somebody's representation if we don't believe it. Other than to say, that's probably not a good thing to make any sort of. Uh, um, uh, decision on. Right, that you're going to see that in that proposal. Right. right. So, right. so it's not a very yeah, work. So. I'm glad you're saying this because this has been sort of a, sor- a source of hard uh, heartburn for me because yeah. there have often been times when we've had conversations around this where people are like, well, I don't believe that that's going to occur. And we're like, well, <laughs> I, I don't know how to convince you either because I can't tell you absolutely it's going to occur either. All I can say is I've done my due diligence to make sure that when they represented this and they said, do it, that we said, okay, and we're going to formalize that, so I'm going to hold you accountable to it. If you don't do it, there, there is a possibility of it if you don't do it. And we can make provisions for that, but we can't actually say there certainly is going to happen.
3: Okay, yeah, was, that happens I, I have to go, but I just want to say I, I really can't thank you enough for your work in yeah. developing this. Yeah. I joined the board in late 2013, mm-hmm. and one of the first things I mentioned in the in the, um image of my old boss was like hey how are we doing on hiring locally and i kind of got patted on the head and said that's a cute idea um, and, and i was like no seriously because i remember when 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 supervisor miley first came to the board of supervisors his first act he held up a seven million dollar water treatment facility construction project in haggerty's district and haggerty went ballistic and he said well i just want to know did you go through a process of seeing if this is a local you know uh, um, uh, contractor and he, through that, he, he set into motion the county developing standards, and the city prior to that in the 90s developed. And I just think we have a responsibility, as a, as a public agency, to spend our money locally. And and um, this took some time, but I appreciate why it took time. Was a we, we have an administration that actually supported the idea. You guys got behind it, and you took the right steps to do it. And and this this will last in you know for decades. And I just really really appreciate it. this is the kind of policy direction that we've shifted in that i think is really fundamental to our core mission and values and i, I just can't thank you enough thank you
5: yeah,
0: thank you. yeah I, think, I think this is i'm gonna thanks, I, John, appreciate appreciate I think this is really great i think this is real progress are for to use a trustee to use example though as um, someone who runs an organization that participated in their Local vendor process. Um, they went through a very alliterative process and made major changes um, because they had thought of um, some of the unintended consequences that came from that process. Mm. Um, so I would suggest taking a fairly alliterative frame on this that you're going to. Uh, Maybe need to change course and adaptations to get at quality and, and quite frankly, find ways to uh, attract. You've given a lot of thought to this, and I I see uh, very tangible approaches to getting local vendors to participate, but it's like your comment about those patients earlier. Um, Those are sort of standard. You know, folks are outside of uh, standard uh, yeah. rules sometimes they yeah. will have to work extra hard to, to get to get them pulled in to, mm-hmm. to processes so that's my recommendation in terms of goals um, I do I would this is just my preference as a trustee that we not get into trying to provide you advice about those goals so to, to staff actually again uh, use a process to try to set um, aggressive
6: goals and then reset um, over the years as you learn more about what's possible. Can I just say, uh, and and I think Mike uh, uh, may have some say, I appreciate that sentiment. I think one of the things that uh, we uh, we need to be comfortable with, uh, both as a leadership and and as a board, is the learning process. Uh, And I appreciate, actually, the the time and the uh, bandwidth, or the patience on your part to actually have us go through this, because we started from a framework of, like, I don't want to say this in, in, in a bad way, but I think Ira and others was really. We had a lot of garbage in our contracting database. We had a summer internship with uh, a intern- <coughs> guy from Berkeley. We spent his whole summer just cleaning this up uh, for us to get it to a point where we could do this sort of geo-mapping to see who they were because we had some, some vendors listed with the same two different names, uh, contracts that were old but still counting into our spin because they hadn't been sunset or reflected by the other one that's replaced it, so all of that work, And so we learned you know, that we were actually better in terms of, or higher in terms of our spend in local vendors than, than we thought when we actually cleaned all of this up. And so Mike's point about now trying to be a little bit more surgical about not just saying like of your total dollar, but what's an available dollar. And then, uh, and this came up during the parking contract too, we will hopefully get more sophisticated in terms of even uh, further uh Targeting Because one of the things that we think is important, uh, um, and, and we think you agree, is equity, right? So even when we're looking at local vendors, and we know this in terms of, you know, uh, wage disparities and economic disparities by zip codes here, that there are some opportunities for us to be even more granular. And it may not be that impactful on a macro level, but maybe on a micro level, there's some opportunities for us to say, you know, we really would love it if we could demonstrate that we're actually having an impact in these zip codes where a lot of our patients are coming from but but that's going to take a learning process and right of technology to, to use that
0: example uh, maybe that's not a local vendor who's willing to do that extra lift correct to edit those populations correct so i think we have to be very careful about being rigid in this yeah. um i agree and i appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so so one last piece that i did want to address and uh and I asked Balje to be here, so I should ask him to uh, speak as well, too. But you know, one of the things that, you know, oftentimes you know, becomes or how come this is not moving here? Move, 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 move. I uh, think you were hitting the, um, Thank you. Thank you. Would I turn it off? Uh, there you go. Is I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the vision that prior uh, diversity program you know oftentimes one of the obstacles to in fact a will o program is the notion that you have arrangements which preclude you from working with right. will defenders. and so uh you know we do have a general purchasing you know uh, uh, organization We with vizient uh we have actually been working with vizient and some of their other clients on this uh, and those are the outside partners we talked about earlier Um, But we're also looking at how, and this goes back to my comment about not only spending more on local vendors, but helping local vendors to be better vendors, even if it's not, you know, the dollars that we're providing to them. So I'll ask, you know, um, to talk about the supplier development, program, the conversations we've had about how we're working locally on those points.
10: Yeah, sure. So just to kind of tie up a lot of the themes you talked about this evening, so kind of springboarding off this idea of it being an iterative process this continuous quality improvement of this program. And I think that when you think about the drivers of that, what's actually gonna help us learn, both conversations in this venue as we learn, but also some of the external uh, comments and external processes like that, especially Dari shared from the Healthcare Anchor Network. And so How then our program orients within the business supplier diversity program in terms of continuous quality improvement would be just uh, engaging with with, um, the partners that they're helping us get engaged with. So what that would mean is in the the second or third slide we had was uh, our external partners. If you saw the titles there, those are local uh, leaders and local national leaders in in Kaiser, And the assigned business partner reps and the business uh, account owners for that relationship. And so thankfully through the business supplier Diversity Program, what we've been able to do is really get our foot in the door and now we have a seat at the table. And so what we'll be seeing um, in terms of our operations is quarterly meetings with that group around what are we gonna do. And what we've been uh, we've been uh, really just totally thrilled to see is that you know it's not this perception that we are kind of borrowing from the tip of the spear metaphor. We're not at the handle of the spear. We are actually at the tip of the spear here with them. And, one of the comments that they ever made were, "Finally, now we have a grand total of two organizations who really want to move this work forward: uh, AHS and, and Kaiser." And so, where our goal is uh, through this program, and one of the qualifiers that's a distinction is uh, our slide here is titled "Local Vendor Agent Program." The Visit Supplier Diversity Program. Their qualifiers they expand that a little bit more, so they're going. Uh, minority, women-owned, veteran-owned. And so that, I think, in our evolution in the future, will not just be our local vending, but how we also reach out to those particular groups, and what we're doing around uh, those particular communities and populations. And so, um, more to come on this for sure. There's the next steps down there for AHS, and includes a lot of things around uh, we've talked a lot about quantitative elements. I think we've spent some slides on that. But I think what we want to do moving forward is really focus a little bit on the qualitative. How do we bring the humanist back into this work? So mm-hmm. one particular example is we, uh, in this group that we're going to be meeting with now consistently, with Kaisers, what does an off-boarding document look like? What does it say that, hey, you did not get the bid? And here are some particular steps. Not just a, hey, you didn't get the bid, and good luck next time, but if you can do these certain steps, Three years come around, you, we guarantee you will be in a competitive position for this contract. And really, what do we do to connect them with the resources? Um, there are a variety of organizations, maybe at our, our next opportunity, to share that um, uh, little incubators uh, for metropolitan, urban, and uh, urban, um, uh, lack of a better word, mom-and-pop shops. How do I get them built up? And so we're really excited about what we're going to be doing here with expanding our program in partnership with, uh, with Kaiser particularly and with Music at the Table. Um, and for example, our, uh, how we um, discovered in our leveraging new plan and our goal is that that was through a conversation with Kaiser through a call that we were on as uh, AHS, as members of the Healthcare Anchor Network. So well, it's, um, it's kind of, it's, this conversation's been a long time coming, but it's glorious to see kind of, kind of coalesce and kind of what we're moving forward with. And so I know we have a, a bunch of things to talk about. I can kind of go on a little bit more, but I'll stop there if there's any questions for this particular piece.
2: Thank you for sharing that, Rajit. I mean, in the conversations that we've had about and constitutions, we've reiterated that it's not just uh, that we get the best deal for our program, or uh, that we build the capacity of the community many, many different ways. So this really is, even for the folks we don't do business with, how do we do that? So great to you.
10: Mr. One particularly refreshing piece I, I do want to add is um, when we were at our first uh, inaugural meeting of, of this partnership, uh, the conversation was made the firm, from the Kaiser national uh, directors of strategic sourcing that hey You let us know what vendors you're using because next time our conference stuff We'd like to see who they are and invite them in as well mm-hmm. Which is you know you when you think of Kaiser and kind of being at the table like oh It's usually the tail wag the dog and it was just really nice to see that we're equal partners in this endeavor moving forward And so our goal is to kind of, you know, hold them to that and then continue to partner um, In our local environment here, so thank you for, for that.
2: Thank you.
0: Is
10: that, so I think I
0: answered the question that uh, Mike referred to earlier, w- the role of the external um, stakeholders. Is that ongoing? Are we going to be continuing to work with Kaiser and those other folks? That's, yeah. That is, okay, that's that's about, yeah. Thank you. That's great.
8: Yeah, no, I think this is fantastic. I think we're really um, setting an example um, for folks across the country and even here locally in terms of having this type of thinking, even though we ourselves are safety net um, institutions, I think that really says a lot in terms of, um, you know, having a triple bottom line, I guess, in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me in terms of what outcomes i want to see, I'm sure that the metrics and the numbers are important, and they're probably for you all to, to maybe sort out and, and give back to us. I don't feel like that m- might not be... Um, at this point in time, so early on in this, I feel like for me, the outcomes that I would probably want to see would be more along the lines of building our capacity to sort of, along the lines of what you were saying, to do this well, you know, to do this right, and to not to not compromise on um, quality, and also, so to kind of improve, I guess, a few things. One, improve our ability to outreach, right? So I think, yeah. and that takes a certain type of infrastructure that I don't know if it lives in contracting or in community engagement or in the foundation or, or where, but, but basically what is does the community even know we're doing this, and that this is an effort that, that's underway? Um, and are we reaching the folks that we need to reach? Um, i liked to hear around, um, you know, that we're thinking about um, minority-owned, women-owned, veteran-owned, maybe, maybe for the future, um, but at least making sure we're reaching them, right? We might not have a, a process in place to preference them at this point, but at least making sure that we're reaching them. And so I think the outreach part for me would be, you know, what have we done to build our capacity to do outreach to, um, to businesses that are local? I think the other part of of capacity building would be how are we vetting folks, so to your Mm -hmm. point. So, um, you know, is the 10% just about the bid amount or is it about um, points that are cumulative about how many jobs are going to be created, Um, how do the references check out? Um, how how long they've been doing this work? You know, d- do they have clients of our size, uh, for instance? You know, just to just a few off the top of my head, but so that maybe our, our vetting process needs to be more rigorous if we're thinking about moving from that that huge you know company in Texas that everybody always uses for X service to something local, mm-hmm. you know, rather than feeling like we're just taking a leap of faith. You know, what what vetting were we able to do ahead of time? and I don't think this sounds easy at all, you know. Right. Um, and 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 I think that uh, I'm sure that there would have to be an analysis about the cost of the, of all of that and, and whether that makes sense or when it would make sense. But I think from my perspective, before we went to, I want to see the number of local contracts increase by this amount. It's what, how you know are we doing this well and do we do we kind of have the ability to really um, do this well? And so and then I think maybe those those other things could come um, could come later. And then I guess last but not least for me would be. Just feeling as a as a trustee that we um, we've done our best each time with each one, and so that we you know that we've made every attempt to do, to do all those steps I just said about, outreach,ing um, analyzing, and vetting. And I really like what you said on the back end about if you don't get the bid, um, what you know what's the feedback that we're giving to folks. And not only the feedback, but is there some technical assistance that we could directly, pro- maybe through again foundation or some other department, not necessarily contracting, but is there or a partner maybe that does um, technical assistance um, for local businesses? Um, but are there ways we could connect them with, you know, with ways to build their own capacity so that next time they would be more competitive and all of that, so that they could be competitive with other with other clients besides just the AHS in the future, so that they're not relying only on AHS as a client, because I think that's another. Um, you know, that's another situation you can get yourself into if you're really trying to go for, you know, give someone an opportunity and then you're their only client and then they live or die based on you. That's also not, I think, an ideal situation to be in. And so I think if it's really about building capacity and, and building networks over time that we kind of be thinking about about it a little bit holistically in that way, too. Right.
0: So I um, uh, appreciate that in order to feedback And I think that, you know, what we would ask that is to take the liberty of, uh, of coming back, you know, after a period of time to report, you know, do a follow-up, you know, on some of these things, you know, talk about some of the things we thought were ready to go and that they have gone and what's happened from them, and then talk about, you know, the further work on some of the things that we've identified here as, as some of the future uh, next steps. Um, is, uh, as far as it goes, so we could certainly plan to incorporate that as you know, part of the interest at, at some point. So, sounds good. Uh, thank you for all the work that's been done that's and great for this report out. Thank that's you, so appreciate it. Okay, I'm looking at the time, I'm try to get us under the deadline. We'll see uh, if we can do that. We have some approvals uh, related to contracts.
2: Auditor
0: We have a speaker on item three, um, C-3, but let's uh, do these by sequence. So the first item uh, is
4: related to Angelica Textile Services. Are there any questions? Uh, Yeah, I have a question. Uh, Hang on. No, we can can get (laughs) your back up. Take your time. Sorry about that. Yeah, in um, looking at the RFID technology not being implemented, I was a little confused about the, the statement contained um, on page 80 of our packet about um, the interorganizational organizational delays and company financial stru- struggles. So does that re- refer to um, AHS or is that referring to Angelica and their inability to... to Kind of move us into the RFID technology. I, was, I wasn't sure. Uh, that's Angelica. Yeah. So, so if it is Angelica, is there any consideration given to the additional amounts that are being requested here for the fact that they were unable to to move into that technology, or is this just kind of their increased cost being passed on without any consideration given to the fact that they were unable to perform?
10: I think I got your uh, your question there. Um, so, what this what this means is so in, in the initial year the idea was with the organization the leadership that was at place was we're going to get this RFID and we're going to save you x amount of dollars. And so now that we have a new organization their their turnaround group that's in place we have gone back and indicated that you know the the, the amplified amount in terms of the uh, the savings that over the five year of the contract that we were not able to realize is because of this RFID technology and so we're looking to pursue opportunities with them and say hey we need you to help us where's the where's the guarantee there was a guarantee there and so unfortunately I think uh, some of our recent contracts where we built in the guarantees I think it was alluded to earlier and um, when we are selecting uh, vendors we have it written into our contract so the guarantee is not kind of a black and white guarantee but we're pushing that hard on them to for this but also in this in the summary we've also indicated that this is a real major driving factor for us in terms of this RFP that mm-hmm. is launched currently in terms of the savings. And when we come back before this group with the new agreement, our goal is to really be able to address that question in terms of future, uh, future opportunities, but in terms of retroactively.
0: Yeah. sounds like, we, yeah, I think you should use that as a strong leverage.
4: Yeah.
0: I think the board uh, going yeah. to approve contracts that uh, continue to have this sort of uh, non-performance element. Oh, of course. yeah. yeah. Agreed. I okay. could use that in your conversation. Oh, totally agreed. That. Yeah. Okay. That, that was a question sir. I had, Thank you. Great. Is there
2: an action that someone wants to move forward on this? I that we approve um, the, all of the contracts, the Siemens as well as unless there's anything Can else. we
0: do one, two, and uh, four?
4: Uh, and yeah, because we have a speaker on three. Okay.
2: Okay. Okay. I'll sure. second
4: that with the uh, uh, one, two.
2: One, two, three. Yeah, so it's, uh, four.
4: So there's
0: a motion to remove approval of uh, contracts number one, two, and four. Uh, and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Great. The motion passes. Um, so we have public comment. Jonathan Ramsden. And you have three minutes, or whatever it takes.
5: I'd appreciate three minutes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, my name is Jonathan Arms, and I'm the clinical coordinator at Outpatient Behavioral Health Services, Vermont Hospital Campus, and specifically Building C. And myself and my colleagues are here today to, um, in support of the measure to add an FDE to the security contract to improve, uh, to improve security in C-Building. Um, I want to thank the administration who has been working hand in hand with us on this matter for the last couple of months. Um, it, is, it is the best response to an incident we've had in my time now in the past uh, seven and a half years. So we really appreciate it, the, of the partnering efforts. Um, the history of building C is that, unfortunately, it's been a very unsecured building with ease of access to, uh, for anybody, um, the public, patients, employees, homeless people, psychotic people, um, people under the influence of substances for the patients of ours. Um, and for years, we were under the impression that we just sort of had to deal with it. We had to manage yes. things that came up, taking up staff time, um, sometimes creating a threatening and hostile um, environment while our patients are there. Um, we have an intensive day treatment program um, and a growing outpatient program um, that sees 60 patients a day, and that we're, uh, we're projected in this year to almost double that with the growth of the outpatient program. So managing patient flow, um, uh, public flow, um, and employee flow is of the utmost importance. Um, unfortunately, on November 19th, we had an incident where um, one of those unwanted visitors became violent with our program manager. I was a primary witness to that as well, and that was was the sort of the sentinel event that that set off um, um, the request for all these um, security improvements. So we are here today in strong support of adding that FTE to increase the security of Building C. Um, It will go a long way to improve um, the morale, the felt sense of safety for all the employees in our department, and not just our department, all just one floor of the department, um, but also all the other um, departments in that building as well. That is pretty much it. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it very much. Thank, Thank you, for, you coming for coming out, all of you. to see you. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. Can I, can I add to you, I, know I, I appreciate Thompson uh, uh,
6: sharing those comments with you. Uh, you know, we call trustees. If this is one of those areas in Fairmont where the the use of the space is uh, somewhat. Counter to the configuration of the space, mm-hmm. because the building is really old, and it's a great space for fire services. But even from I an mean, adjustment, the example he cited, or the uh, uh, she said, the, the unfortunate situation was not a a even a the, the sort of standard use of the space. This person came off of a fire escape into a bathroom. Uh, so we've done a lot of work to address a lot of the security vulnerabilities, but even on a day-to-day basis, and and we've been addressing these as well. When you engage the space, you walk sort of, you enter the space in the middle of the operation. So it's not like a normal sort of uh, place where you space plan to have a open door where you're greeted by someone whose responsibility it is to ensure at least some level of first degree. I know who's in this space. Someone like can walk in and go in either direction and. Be undetected, even if they're there for, you know, untoward uh, uh, purposes or for uh, uh, legitimate purposes. So it is a it is a space that is on the list of spaces that we are talking to the county about uh, using those capital dollars, those dollars we get back, to address some of these opportunities. So i to take a moment to kind of put that up right, uh, to you as well as this uh, sort of um, uh, short term <coughs> operational improvement that we can do. It's it's one of the things that uh, um, addresses some of the incongruence between the current configuration and the work that we do. That is actually growing work
0: uh, in these spaces. I would move approval of the comment. Second. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Again, thank you. Thank you to, thank to staff you. as well. Um, it's uh, safety of our team members is of the highest priority know, the trustees. We share that with you. Absolutely. It's okay, okay. Um, we are at the end, and so there was the just planning uh, discussion. I looked at the issues, the tracking, and I represented what I thought we were working on, uh, some reporting on supplemental. I did, I should announce that I did talk to staff about <coughs> having a report out on St. Leandro Hospital mm-hmm. that was similar to the report out that we had on Alameda Hospital. Okay. So staff has added that to the tracking list, and uh, it's not determined. They have a, we're a few of the responsibilities, so we try to fit it in their schedule. Um, any other thoughts or additions around the tracking? No, I just I look at that. It. Yeah. Yeah, and as issues come up during the year, feel free to, this would be the portion of the meeting yeah. to uh, discuss that. I'm sorry. I have I have two quick things. Yes. So one,
6: um, uh, we have mentioned, far not I here, but we've been mentioning the uh, contribution margin analysis uh, work that we've been all, uh, her, her team has been working on. Um, uh, we expected to have that in January. We do have it. We don't. We're waiting on some final ED data, and so we're going to present it, or uh, put it as an agenda item for the full board meeting. But we've elected to bring it uh, to you first, so we'll probably work February uh, calendar for February, uh, if that's okay. And then the second thing I wanted to say, because uh, uh, it's germane to this committee, the CFO search is ongoing. Uh, uh, we've been working closely with recruiters. We have an update. Uh, Meaning next week. We expect that interviews will probably be at the early part of February. We have a pretty good uh, candidate pool, uh, So we're, we're going to try to work that. just talk to you to take
4: the Yeah. The dog is weighing in on She's been fantastic. Yeah, uh, she has. Uh, it's been a great run. Yeah, we
5: So we'll it in February Appreciate it. Thank you. So uh, I think that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you.